Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting week in the markets. Of course, we knew Monday was a holiday, so we only had a four-day uh, four trading week. But add to that, we're going to look at what's been happening with the crops in South America as harvest been taking place for beans, delays when it comes to the corn planting, and some decent weather hitting them. So we're going to look at the bean ratio to the corn. We're also going to look at basis out there. So a lot to look at on this week's report. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. And welcome back. As you can see, Sue Martin's joining us with Ag and Investment. And we've got Mike Zuzlo with Global Commodity Analytics. And I think we need to kind of dive in right away to what we're seeing when it comes to the corn and the bean ratio. Both of you kind of brought it up before we started the program. So, Sue, we'll start out with you. Kind of give us your thoughts on what's going on for these soybeans. Well, I think that uh, what we're seeing is the uh, soybean corn ratio has been favoring corn over beans. And I think that also what we've noticed is that the July Nov or the March no bean spread has made new highs over last year. And so I think it implies that the demand is very good for soybeans up front. Um, the market is wanting that. But I think when we start to get into February, we're going to start thinking more about this uh, uh, new crop contracts. And I think that uh, we're going to have to have a little bit of an acreage fight this year because corn yield went up bean yield went down in the government reports here in January. You know, that doesn't surprise me that we're already talking about uh, yield of fightings back and forth. Mike, what are you hearing when it comes to this ratio? Yeah, it seems to me with the corn in the December only going to be down about three cents this week, Susan, and the beans in the November down almost 40. Um, I think Sue's right on the money. It, it seems like that the market has now kind of decided initially now that the acreage battle is on and, and in the form of it's not wanting the need to buy bean acres. And I say that because one of two things can happen. You can have the corn, December corn go higher and the no beans stay the same or have December corn stay the same and no beans go lower. That's what we've started out with. And I think it's a, a result of what we saw in the January WASDE report. The trade was waiting for updated numbers. And also the result of the South American weather coming in right at the nick of time, especially for the soybeans. And, and then the third thing I think's really been underplayed, but the hog market, you know, it's lost 16, 17% of its value since uh, the end of December. That's in no small part to what's happening with China and their oversupply. And we found out from their ag ministry, they are oversupplied right now. And that really bodes negatively for bean demand as we go into the second quarter, especially as Brazil comes on board. So last thing I'll say is more long term is, you know, the trade, I think, is starting to understand and, and the fundamentals say this, the numbers say this, that you really can make a big splash when you cut Argentine corn production because it's such a big percentage of the total South American number. Not so with the soybeans, you know, 50 million tons of Argentine production and cutting that by five or six can be mostly or partially offset 
by a Brazilian increase if the weather does turn around. So I think that's something we really need to consider on the supply side. So we, you brought up China and officially we're starting the, the year of the rabbit for them. They are going to be on holiday. So is it going to be quiet over the next couple of weeks for China? I'm fearful that the, the market has gotten ahead of itself a little bit. Uh, the emerging markets and the commodities really took a strong buy with the idea that China is going to come out of this very, very quickly. But some of the Asian subscriptions and some of the Asian, Asian intelligence I'm getting is that, yeah, you'll see travelers and you'll see a couple billion travelers um, probably back and forth. But when you count both ways, um, but will they eat? Will they travel and buy? And you know, they've been locked down for four years now, and there's a lot of businesses that have gone out of business. And I think that's the big thing to watch over this next 40 days with the spring festival kicking off. And and Sue, for you, what are you hearing about China when it comes to their purchases? And is the focus going to be more on South America than it is U.S. products? Well, I think what we have to do is watch China's buying. You know, they were in the market here today, or not today, but this uh, past week and took a chunk of our sales for soybeans. I think that uh, the one thing we have to keep in mind is that China, they themselves have said, well, it might be into the second quarter before they would really be, um, their economy really be starting to percolate really well. Well, of course, if they tell us that, they're probably gonna be preparing long before that gets here. But I think that uh, what concerns me in the face of China is I think there's a possible black swan that we could have in this market. And it would come out of uh, Brazil and the political atmosphere that they seem to have. Right now, the political atmosphere, we think of protesting and violence and what have you, it might come in a different way where agribusinesses just don't operate as full strength as they normally would. And when China comes to the US, in a big way, they're hitting us with tight supplies on soybeans. And also, not only are they hitting us with tight supplies, our manufacturing, our shipping, uh, rail, everything's been less. And we've had plenty of money printed. I think we're much more vulnerable in this go around than we were back in the 70s with the Russian grain robbery. And that's something you and I've had a lot of discussions about. Mike, when it comes to weather in South America, what are you hearing from folks? I know it's been very dry in Argentina, but now I'm hearing some timely rains might be headed their way, which could be a benefit to those crops. Yeah, it sounds like that's the, exactly the case, Susan. The models have been steadily increasing, and this comes at the same time as our official La Nina forecast is starting to flatten out and neutral, be called neutral as we get into spring. And I think there again, um, like Sue said, you can't really trade this as much because it's you know more of a um, ethereal issue. But I think there's been a lot of weather bulls in this market, La Nina bulls in this market that probably need to liquidate their positions between now and springtime, especially if the plain states start to really find a lot more moisture. There's supposed to be another big system coming across uh, uh, Nebraska, maybe Kansas and maybe Oklahoma next week, almost as big as what you all had just to deal with of uh, this past week. And so it does seem like the pattern is shifting both in North America and South America. So I'd be conscious of that, that it's going to be hard to stimulate a weather market if we replenish moisture levels here in this country. And that's where I look to the hard red wheat to, 
you know, really have to be kind of the canary in the coal mine. And that was one nice thing about Friday's close. You saw wetter weather, but you saw the hard red wheat really find some nice short covering. It's going to be a big thing I watch next week. I don't know about both of you, but I'm okay with uh, not having a weather-related market if it means we've got some moisture coming to such a dry area of the Midwest. Yeah, you typically make more money uh, revenue per acre on the lower price, but a lot bigger yields. And this past year, a lot of areas had a lot bigger yields and a high price, which is kind of an anomaly. Sue, are you hearing of any planning delays when it comes to this, this corn crop in South America? No, the only thing is if this, you know, we're just getting started with these rains and, you know, we had rain today in uh, Argentina and expected to cross into Rio Grande do Sul, but we need to keep an eye because the rains are still falling in other parts of our, of Brazil, but maybe not as heavy. So in other words, they might go towards a little drier. If the rains in Argentina and Rio Grande do Sul end up, and they're to have more rain, by the way, over the weekend, but if those rains end up after the fact being not as aggressive as what's been forecast, and of course, everybody watches radar maps, and the radar maps this morning showed some pretty good storms over Argentina in La Pampa, Buenos Aires, and Cordoba. But if this happens that the rains are not as good as they thought, and then you have the rain still continuing in Brazil in the main parts like Mato Grosso, Paraná, and Gias, and some of those states, then the market's going to start to get nervous thinking they could be late in planting safrina corn. So, and that's the second crop corn, the larger uh, production in Brazil. So I think we're at a, for me, we're at a pause right now in the markets where we're trying to watch as to what's going on with the weather. And because as uh, the later the beans come out, the later the corn gets planted, makes it vulnerable into their drier season that starts in April. But when you look at Brazil and their weather, and then we look at us, and I think we're heading into a La Nada, and, uh, which can carry on and be dry. Uh, Farmer's Almanac, predicts we're going to have warmer weather and early spring. I think there's a lot of things that need a little time to gel, but uh, I guess I would have to say, look for the traditional February break. Real quick for both of you, any surprises in the Catalan feed report for a Friday? For me, it was the marketing's number. I was, um, they were expecting um, marketing's to be around 94%, 94.7. And it came in at 93.9, a little bit less. We needed to be marketing. It shows that we're, we've backed up cattle through those cold uh, weeks that we had in December. And, uh, of course, uh, placements down 1% from what the trade was looking for. Still pretty low at 92%. Mike, what about for you? On feed number is too high for me. It was the highest of the trade guesses at 97.4. I didn't like that given that we had a 180 breakthrough on the feeder. So watching that weekly chart real closely next week. And well, Susan reported placements. Placements were 1% higher than expected. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks to both of you joining us. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.